0: Well, Welcome, everybody. It's great to have you here today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here at Calvary, and we are so blessed to have with us some of our local school superintendents this morning. Thank you guys for uh, all being here. It's such an honor to have you with us. And, and we do this every year because it's important. In 1 in Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes this, that we are to pray and bless those in authority, and that's what we're here to do, to pray for them. And I just want to say thank you guys for each being here. With Dr. Taylor from uh, Norwin, start, just starting out. It's great to have you with us. And Dr. Pereno from Franklin Regional, Dr. Sarden from Yawk, uh, Mr. Jones from, from Jeanette, and uh, Dr. Pfeiffer from uh, Greensburg-Salem. Thank you guys for all, each being here this morning. And uh, we know that there's a lot on your plate. And uh, as we start the school year, you're very busy people. You have uh, a lot of decisions to make, and uh, the impact you make is far-reaching. So thank you for the thousands of lives that you make a difference in every day. Um, you are really equipping this region to move forward. And we're just so grateful for all that you do. I know that there's a lot of stress that each of you deal with that no one probably even knows uh, that you carry. And uh, in those moments where the weight seems so great, just know that this church is praying for you and that we're here to support you. And we just appreciate the hours and the energy and the effort that you put in that maybe no one ever sees, but you are making a difference. So thank you so much for that. And what we want to do is just take a moment and pray for you. And uh, we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that God can move and give you wisdom in those difficult moments and difficult decisions you have to make about personnel or budgets or uh, all the things that you, you deal with and face. So we just want to take a moment and pray. And, and uh, as a church, we believe in prayer. So if you just feel comfortable, if you just want to extend a hand uh, of agreement as we pray over uh, these men and women, Lord, we thank you so much for our superintendents. God, we thank you for the districts that they represent, the thousands of students, God, that have gone back to school now or, or are going back to school. We pray, Lord, Lord, for your wisdom to rest upon each of them and the decisions that they make. God, we pray, Lord, you would guide and direct their steps, God. You would protect them and guard them, Lord. God, that, that when people, Lord, uh, get frustrated, angry, uh, irritated, God, that you would, Lord, diffuse those situations, God. I pray, God, for, for each of the uh, administrators that serve beneath them, the, the, the faculty, the students, God, we pray your protection over each of these districts. God, we pray your provision, Lord, in a difficult time in, in education, you would provide finances miraculously, Lord, where they're needed. God, we thank you, God, for all that you're doing. Lord, let this year be a a blessed year, a year of provision. God, a year to see your hand at work. We thank you for each of these men and women. God, in those moments, Lord, behind closed doors where they have difficult decisions, where anxiety and stress, Lord, begin to rest upon their shoulders, God, I pray for the peace that is beyond understanding to rest in their minds and their hearts, Lord. You would guard them. You would guide them. We thank you, God, for all that they're going to do this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're just so grateful for each of you guys and we wanted to give you guys just a small little gift just to say thank you for being here and uh, just thank you for taking the time. And uh, we just appreciate you guys and um, I know as we start a school year, this is a a new opportunity for for great things to happen and we believe that's going to happen in each of your districts and I'm sure you could go on many stories of the lives that you've touched. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you guys are doing. Can you give it up for these guys this morning? Thank you. Thank you guys. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. for <clears throat> Leadership is a, a difficult thing and uh, each of these men and women definitely represents some of those difficult moments uh, and uh, we're so grateful to, to have them here this morning. And uh, today... We're, uh, we're excited to close out a new series, a, final, a series we've been going through called The Forgotten God. And uh, we've been talking about just the work of the Holy Spirit and, and what the Holy Spirit does. Before we do that, though, I just want to take a moment and pray. And, uh, you know, I believe God has something special in store for each of us today, that none of us are here by accident. Even some who are watching online, that, that you didn't just pop on by accident, but God has something special and unique for each of you. And uh, we're going to talk about this today, but I believe that, that God doesn't just bless His word. Uh, with words, but but I believe he blesses it with power. And and uh, we want to pray that God would do that this morning. So if you could just bow your heads with me as we start off today. Lord, I thank you for this moment in time. Lord, that you give us these opportunities to open your word. Lord, for you to speak into our situations. Lord, that you see us where we where we sit. You see the situations, the burdens, the things that we carry. God, I pray today that what is shared isn't simply a, a good a display of oration or, or speaking or, or public speaking, but Lord, it becomes a demonstration of your power. God, you would accompany all that is shared with miracles and supernatural. God, things that could happen, Lord, tomorrow and throughout this week at work and in our car and our neighborhood, Lord, that you would do miracles in our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, we live in a world today that uh, is incredibly skeptical. We question everything, right? Uh, we want to see proof, evidence of what's taking place. Uh, you see this even 50 years after uh, man first walked on the moon, there are still questions like, Does that, did that actually happen? Or was that some you know, video shoot out in Arizona in the desert? Did that really happen? We're skeptical of everything. We question everything. Uh, just in this information age, we want to see uh, proof that what you're posting, what you're broadcasting, what you're saying is true. And we kind of live by this mantra. If Google can't prove it, we won't believe it, right? <clears throat> if I can't Google it and it's true, if you know, Snopes doesn't you know, clear it up, or whatever it may be, <clears throat> we want to see that it's true. And uh, when you think about this idea of how skeptical we have become, it can present a real challenge to a God that we don't necessarily see, but we read about in Scripture, right? You know, uh, this, this, is, this is a really interesting question. How do we know that all that is contained in this book we call the Bible isn't some fairy tale or some made-up story that we just tell our children to make them feel good? How do we know that? Maybe you've had those questions before. Maybe you're asking those questions now. Or, or maybe you've had people ask those questions of you. In asking that question, I don't believe that's sacrilegious or wrong in any way. In fact, I think it's really healthy to ask questions. It's, it's helpful. Uh, and I don't believe that uh, we should ever dedicate ourselves to something that's not true. Something that's not accurate. Something that's just made up or make-believe. Like, we don't want to do that, right? Uh, when we think about these questions... Uh, we think, man, this is like the time we're in. It, it's 2019, we're in a skeptical world, but, but those questions actually aren't just new to today. They're not modern day questions. They've actually been questions that have been present from the beginning of human history. If you go back and look at, at scripture, uh, you see the story of Abraham. And, and Abraham, God spoke to Abraham and said, your wife at 90 years old is going to give birth to a son. He had his questions and concerns, like he was curious, is that even possible? Or, or you follow later to Moses, and Moses comes to the people of Israel. They're in, in captivity. They're, they're slaves in Egypt, and, and Moses says, God's going to set you free, and that was awesome news, but they questioned, is that really going to happen? Is that possible? And, and after all, who sent you? Or, or later, you get to the New Testament. Jesus is crucified, rises again, this incredible miracle one of his own disciples named Thomas questioned whether or not that actually happened. Follow into the first century in Roman Empire and many of the early church leaders faced questions all the time. Or most of their interactions would surround the ideas. God, who he said he was, is Jesus really the son of God? These were, these were questions that, that were present even back then. And in every single one of these questions, situations, circumstances, God's response would be very similar. He, he wouldn't just challenge people to simply believe or just have faith, like just suck it up, but, but he would in fact give them anchors to hold their faith on. He would do something that would prove to them his existence. With Abraham, his 90-year-old wife Sarah would, would in fact become pregnant in her old age, give birth to her only son Isaac. You see, uh, Moses Moses would would go to the Pharaoh and and say, you're going to let my people go. And God would go through this whole series of supernatural responses to Pharaoh's decisions, which would all climax with this amazing moment where the Israelites, millions of them, would walk across the Red Sea on dry land. I mean, amazing miracles. Or, or later, Jesus, as he's risen again now, he's resurrected. This amazing moment where Thomas still questions, did that really happen? I know i followed him around for all these years, but I'm not sure I really believe that. Are you guys making that up? This, the, the risen Lord, Jesus, after he's resurrected, appears to Thomas doesn't condemn him, doesn't put him down for asking the questions, doesn't say, what's your deal, where's your faith, you don't, you don't deserve it, he didn't do any of that. He appears to Thomas and shows him the wounds that he got when he was crucified. Throughout the Gospels, in the, in the book of Acts, the first five books of the New Testament, we read story after story as many of these early church leaders would not simply share a message or words but, but everything they would say would be backed up with signs and wonders, with the miraculous, with the with Holy Spirit proving God's existence through power. In fact, we see in Ma- Mark chapter 16, verse 20, this. It said that, And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, listen to this, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. It wasn't just words, but it was this miracles. In, in Acts 8, after many of the Christians were scattered because of persecution, one of the early deacons, Philip, is sharing the gospel. He's sharing the good news of Jesus. And listen to what took place in Acts chapter 8. It says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Later in Acts 14, the Apostle Paul, one of the early leaders in Barnabas, who was with him, they're in the city of Iconium. And in verse 3, we read this, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. In fact, through most of the first century, and even uh, in the centuries that would follow of church history, the gospel and the church advanced. Not simply through a communication of words, not simply through sharing of information, but that the good news was shared and it was always accompanied with miracles, with signs and wonders, with a demonstration of God's power. And, and here's a simple thought, simple idea I want to share with you today. This simple idea that a life of power proves a God of potential. And you know, if we talk, that, talk about the idea that God can do impossible things, we believe that God can do things that others have said can't be done. We believe that. We read about in Scripture, but we believe God still does that today. If that's really true... The greatest proof of that is a life of power. It's not with some, some words or, or being able to debate or, or prove your point. And In fact, this is what Paul shared in his first letter to the Corinthian church, what we know today as 1 Corinthians 2. It says this, I came, Paul was writing these words, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. It wasn't like he was this incredible speaker that could have everyone in the palm of his hand. He's saying, it wasn't with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. See, here's the deal. God isn't threatened by your questions. He's not intimidated by your doubts. But rather, he welcomes them. He welcomes the opportunity to prove that he truly is God and that Jesus really was the Son of God. He welcomes that opportunity. And this is one of the primary purposes that God sent the Holy Spirit, that that the Holy Spirit could do signs and wonders, miracles, could display God's power through us to continue the ministry of what Jesus started, to point back to Jesus and to say he was who he said he was. In fact, we see this take place in the second half of the story we looked at last weekend. And if you weren't with us last week, we looked at this story of, of Peter and John, two of the early leaders in the church. And It was a very normal, regular day, and they encountered this 45-year-old man who was lame in both, both legs, couldn't walk. Someone was literally carrying him to the temple courts uh, to, to sit there and beg for money. And, and as, as Peter encounters this man... He doesn't stop everything, call a prayer meeting. He doesn't welcome the worship team out to set the mood or something like that. In a moment, he, the Holy Spirit works through him, and the man is healed instantly. This remarkable, transforming moment. And, and of course, this man who's healed, he's walking and leaping and praising God. But more than that, this supernatural moment was a powerful message to the Jews coming into the temple courts that day for prayer. This was the third time of prayer the Jews would go into the temple three times. This is the final one. This is a very normal, routine moment. In Acts chapter 3, verse 11, here's what took place. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. So this was a portion of the temple, Solomon's Colonnade. They're astonished. Why are they astonished? Because they'd seen this man day after day sitting there begging for money. And now all of a sudden he's jumping around. They're like, What happened? How did this take place? We know he's lame. Someone's carried him to that spot every day. He couldn't even get there on his own. And as the crowd begins to gather, Peter steps up, and he begins to give credit to whom credit is due. Here's what it says in verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? Peter's asking a valid question. Why is this surprising you? God is a God of miracles. He does the supernatural. Why would you be surprised that God could heal this man? It was a valid question, but he keeps going. And as he keeps going, he says this in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Now these Jews, they've grown up understanding the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't fully understand who Jesus was. Peter's saying, this is about Jesus. And he goes on, verse 16, says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. What was taking place here was more than some church service or even healing. It was a physical evidence, a proof of God's existence. You see, doubts, questions, uncertainty are all very normal human responses, To look for proof, to look for the smoking gun, to look for evidence is a natural thing. If that's natural, if that's how we were wired, don't you think God would meet us there if He made us that way? If you have children, young children, you understand this. As they're getting to two, three, four years old, they ask a million questions, don't they? They're really good at asking questions. Why? Because they're curious. They wanna know. They wanna get the evidence. They wanna get the details of everything. This is human nature. This is how we're made. And if God made us that way, why would God suppress that? He engages it. Here's the problem. So often in today's world, we as followers of Jesus, what can happen is we try to live this life disconnected from the work of the Holy Spirit. We're like, I'm going to make this on my own. And it becomes nothing more than an exercise of words. I want to follow the words I read in this book. I want to follow the words that my pastor speaks to me. I want to follow the words. And we're trying to live it out disconnected from the power that God is wanting to provide. And and because of that, there's no no, uh, surprise that people question, is Jesus really who he says he was? Is the Bible really accurate and true? Why? Because they're not seeing the demonstration of power that confirms it. This is why questions are asked. It's because we're often walking the journey with simply words, but lacking the demonstration of God's power. Can you imagine Peter getting up before this crowd, Jews, hundreds, maybe thousands of Jews, trying to convince them simply with his words that what he's saying is true? Sure, he may have convinced a few of them, a handful of them, but he wouldn't have gathered the crowd that he gathered that day. Because it wasn't about his words. It was about a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And you might wonder, man, does God do that today? Like, that's really awesome to read about, but does, does God still do that? And He sure does. He still does that if we're willing to let him. And, and here's my challenge to you today. A life of power proves a God of potential. That, that we can live our lives Empower. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't research things, that you shouldn't know the ins and outs of your faith, and, and you shouldn't uh, dive deep. We should. We should do that. But, but rarely are people convinced into faith. Rarely are people convinced because of a good argument or debate into following Jesus. Often, we see what take, uh, what, what Paul modeled in 1 Corinthians uh, actually be more effective and accurate. Where Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, That he came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. That his message and his preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That This is a model that Paul gives us that that we should live by. And it's a combination of these three really important things in our life. One is humility. Paul recognized he wasn't the end-all, be-all. There was humility. The second was truth. That he didn't just come with power And wow, everybody, it was truth. There was the truth of God's word. And the third was power. And we can walk with humility and truth and power. We get to see God do supernatural things in our lives. And my hope for us as a church, for each of you here today, isn't that you'd necessarily be the smartest person in your school or workplace or neighborhood and wow them with your scholarly knowledge of scripture. Not that any of that's bad. That's a good thing. But more importantly, that in everyday life, that you could walk in humility, reflect the eternal truth of God's word, and that you could demonstrate the power of God in your words and actions. And My my challenge is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to step up in in a moment in in work or or at a restaurant or a store, wherever you find yourself, and, and you have an opportunity to pray for someone. So often we shrink back. We shrink back because we're worried, like, God, I don't want to step out and, like, screw something up here. We need to give God the opportunity. So often, we don't even give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power. My hope for you is that you can have boldness and courage to step out and to be proof of a a God of potential, that your life of power, it's not about you, it's about God working through you, that you would step out and say, God, I want to welcome you into this situation. Maybe in your workplace, You'd even be as bold and courageous to do this, that you're in a meeting with a team that you're leading and you're trying to make a really important decision and, and there's confusion and uncertainty about what you're supposed to do and you, you actually even would be willing to pause and say, hey guys, I know this might be different for you and I'm not trying to ask you to do something you're uncomfortable with, but could I take a moment and just ask God for direction because I believe that God can give direction. Would you mind me just praying? And you don't have to do some long, drawn-out prayer, but just asking God simply in that moment to, to give you an answer, a direction, Like welcoming God, giving him the opportunity to prove himself. So often we don't even give him the chance. Now some of you might think, man, I've been giving God the chance day after day, month after month. I'm walking through maybe a chronic illness or a situation in my life that it feels like God isn't moving. He's not working it doesn't seem like anything's happening, and I feel like God doesn't even exist. And I've had a number of conversations like that recently with people where they're like, I've been praying, and God isn't moving, and then we begin to question God. Like, God, if you're not moving in my life, then what's the deal? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there's an interesting thing that's written by the author there. He's writing this book, the book of Hebrews, to a group of early believers who experienced persecution, Persecution in a way we don't even understand. Where, where loved ones are literally being killed, imprisoned because they are followers of Jesus. And, and they are experiencing this pain and suffering because of their faith in Jesus. And, and, and while they're praying, God, protect us, keep us safe, they're not safe. They're watching people getting their heads cut off and crazy stuff taking place. And, and, and Hebrews is written into that context. And, and in Hebrews chapter 11, this is known as the faith chapter. The author goes through this list of people throughout history, starting with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Rahab. And he goes through this long list of people in, in history from the Old Testament, showing how their faith was credited to them as righteousness, how, how their faith in the abstract promises of God were proven true. And then, then he gets to this at the end of the chapter. In verse 32, he says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who went, faith, uh, who went through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lying, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. This is remarkable thing that each of these men and women uh, accomplished. And in verse 35, it says, Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were turned, who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Like, that's not real encouraging. You're like, okay, where's the good part? Uh, can you get to the part like, where I'm, I'm smiling? Because I'm not smiling right now. And, and he, goes, he finishes out the chapter in verse 39. It says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And, and we ask these questions like, God, why aren't you moving in my life? And why, oftentimes what God wants you to do is be willing to look around and see how God is moving elsewhere. We don't understand why God moves in one situation and not another. Those are great questions. I don't have those answers. But I still know that God is moving. And sometimes we need God's proof of his existence, not simply just in my life, but in what God's doing elsewhere too. And what the author of Hebrews is showing here is, look at all that God is doing. In, in all of these situations and circumstances. And this is, this, the chapters of the Bible aren't, weren't how they were written. So, like, the author of Hebrews didn't write, like, chapter 11. Now let's move to chapter 12. It was just one big document. And, and coming out of that, here's what he goes into. Now, in, in your Bible, it'll mark a new chapter, but it's really the continuation of that same thought. He said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. As the worship team comes up, this morning, this passage is so important. Because what the author of Hebrews is saying is, I know in your circumstance, things can be difficult. But a life of power proves a God of potential. It might not just be your life. It might be the life of someone else. Be willing to look around. Be willing to look around at the cloud of witnesses from history, from scripture, from your life. Look at the cloud of witnesses and what God has done. And allow that cloud of that crowd of witnesses to be an encouragement. Encouragement to you that God is still real and He's still working. And look at their life of power and let it prove God's existence, that He is a God of potential. He never gives up. And it might not happen in the way or timing that you want, but God is still faithful. And my challenge to each of us today is that we could walk not in our own ability not simply based on some words that we read in the Bible, but that we could walk in power, a power that is not our own, a power that comes through the Holy Spirit, what God called us to be. A people not of mere word, not a people who can persuade people with beautiful words, but a people who can be backed up with a demonstration of God's power. In your workplace, in your home as a parent, Wherever you find yourself, wouldn't it be incredible if you weren't just relying on what you have inside of you, but you could lean into the power of God and the things you read about in scripture, when you read about Paul and Peter and John and James and each of these leaders in the early church, when you read about the things that took place there, those weren't there to be fairy tales that we can encourage ourselves That stuff really happened, and God still does that today. God wants to work in you, that you could be the living proof of God's existence to a world outside these walls, that God's power working through you. My challenge to you is be willing to ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit, to give you boldness and courage that is not your own, that in those moments that you give God the chance, that you give Him the opportunity. You say, God, I'm going to give you the opportunity here. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to invite you into this circumstance or situation. I want to give you the opportunity. And what God does with it from there, that's up to God. But I'm going to give you the chance because a life of power will prove a God of potential in your family, in your life, in your school, in your workplace. Give him the chance. I promise you, he's faithful. And if you're in that space and you're like, God, I've been walking through a dark valley. I feel like I'm living in the shadows. I feel like no no one's helping me. God, your your prayers aren't getting back to me. I feel like everything seems pointless right now. Be willing to look around at the crowd of witnesses of what God is doing in someone else's life. And that can be an encouragement. You see God moving. You see the, the breeze of God's power working in someone else's life. You see God is still real and he's still active. Before we go today, I'm gonna ask you just to stand to your feet. Just stand. We're going to close with one final song. As we sing this song together, here's my, my, my challenge, my encouragement. Take this moment, just say, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? God, would you empower me for what I need this week? You, you may have uh, big decisions to make this week, or, or meetings at work, or things that you need to accomplish this week that are really weighing on you. God, would you work in me through the power of your Holy Spirit? to prove you are a God of potential in my life once again. As we sing this song, just invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.